welcome Olia. Come and join me at the front. Just before you hear from Olia, can I say that this evening, as we have done from time to time, we tend to hear somebody's story, often around the Lord's table, and it, for me, is a great thrill to recognize the body of Christ. That's part of Paul's instruction, not to forget who we are as we gather around the Lord's table, and our focus is on Him, and we don't boast in ourselves, and we've been singing all those wonderful songs, but to take time as well to just recognize what God is doing around us is one of the great blessings of being in his family. And I want to bring you some greetings before we think about what's happening here tonight. I've just arrived. Uh, I'm still on my way home from Spain and uh, bring you greetings from Andrew and Ruth Reed, who, as you know, for the last 15 years have been missionaries with Baptist Missions in Spain. And I met with uh, the Reeds, Andrew and Ruth, and their four children, and the Elliots, Andrew and Rosalia, and their two, and also with uh, Stephen Moore's brother, Philip, and his wife, Rachel, and their five children, along with the mission director, Mervyn Scott, and his wife, Karen, and two of their children as well. And I was asked to come and to share a, a conference together which again was a, a wonderful sense of seeing what God's doing, not only in their lives, but also around Europe today. Andrew has just come back from Turkey with uh, a meeting of trainers of preachers from around the world. And so he was able to bring a global perspective on what God is doing in his world today and talked a bit about what's happening in Turkey as well. He is the principal of the theological school that uh, the association that he's linked with has, uh, and he's based outside Barcelona. Andrew Elliott has been working in Alcatheras, where the reeds were, and over the past number of months, they have seen God do some really exciting things in terms of opening new doors, and as you know, Johnny and Hannah Young were there last summer, and uh, the Moors in just east of Paris are involved in church planting and have been witnessing God doing something in France which is quite new in terms of a spontaneous church planting movement that's taking place. And uh, Philip is the European director of Acts 29 along with pastoring and uh, doing, I think, quite a few other things uh, in his spare time like cycling. We didn't do any cycling in Spain, but we did have this wonderful chance to, to catch up. So I want to bring you greetings from them and to say that God is alive and working his purposes out in Europe uh, and to sense that that is a present-day reality and to see what he's doing has been incredibly encouraging. So thank you for praying, Nigel, and for those who have prayed for the reeds. I'll say more about this in due course. But I think for the first time in 15 years, there is an opportunity for us as a church to send a team to join with the Reeds, and plans are now afoot to do that, and we'll bring you up to date with that uh, soon. So keep that filed away, and maybe pray too, if that's something that you should be a part of at the end of June 2016. Olia, you're very welcome. 
I'm not going to say very much, but let me just introduce Olia. Uh, you'll hear where she's from, a bit about her background, but at the minute, Olia is third year student at Belfast Bible College. She is here as part of her placement, and uh, we've been getting to know Olia as she has been very busy working with students and doing all sorts of uh, engaging with, with uh, this church and with people who come to study in this area. And so I am looking forward to hearing something of her background, her story, and I'm going to grill her a bit tonight as well about uh, what she believes and why she believes it. And uh, it's not a free-for-all. You're not allowed to ask questions, but hopefully I'll get opportunity to uh, sort of put her in the spotlight and hear something of what her story is. But Olia, first of all, there's this amazing photograph on the screen. Uh, tell us where you're from, because I guess that might be giving us some sort of a clue. Uh, your background, and uh, yeah. Um, um, good evening, everyone. This photo is actually taken in Budapest in Hungary. Um, it just shows... Um, Perfectly my nature. I'm a very adv adventurous person. <laughs> but I was born in um, the country called Ukraine, and I just put um, a map of the, uh, Europe, just for, for some people maybe, uh, to sort of um, put it in your head somewhere. Ukraine is in Eastern Europe, and I, I was thinking I could give maybe uh, some history for you to understand my background and the situation at the moment um, and how I became a Christian. Um, so I would just like a little bit um, of the history that Ukraine uh, is a very new country. Uh, it became independent only in 1991, so 24 years, very young. Before that, it... Um, was under the rule of different empires, um, Soviet Union, uh, Austro-Hungarian Empire, uh, particularly the West um, has been un was under the Austro-Hungarian Empire, under the Polish Empire. So it's been like torn apart between different countries trying to take hold of it. Um, predominantly the West um, has preserved um, the language and uh, the culture, the Ukrainian culture. Um, um, the East was always under the Russian Empire until, they be until Ukraine became independent uh, in 1991. Um, the West has pre preserved its culture and its um, language because of the, uh, the, the empires, the, the, the Polish and the Austro-Hungarian Empire wasn't that harsh in um, sort of imposing uh, their culture. Uh, so, um, whereas the East was, has always been under the strict rule of uh, Russia, and they um, sort of wiped out uh, a lot of Ukrainian intelligentsia. Uh, they, um, they forbid to speak Ukrainian um, or send a lot of people who were um, going against, against the system to um, like Siberia, different concentration camps, uh, and those places were filled with Russian-speaking people. Um, um, so, um, yeah, the church that was predominant in the east of Ukraine was Russian Orthodox, um, or Orthodox, uh, Ukrainian Orthodox. Um, in the west, it was Greek 
um, Catholic Church, which is similar to Orthodox, but is under the Pope. Um, the Greek Catholic Church um, went underground during the Soviet Union, and uh, uh, it was a very strong part of Ukrainian identity, national identity. If you were um, Ukrainian, you were Greek Catholic. Um, and because people really fought for their independence for so many years, um, now they really hold on to it. They don't want to um, give it away. They really um, treasure it and cherish it. Um, and um, just like to, to, to tell you a little bit um, um, the, about like my story. Um, so my, I come from the city uh, called Lviv. It's in the west of Ukraine. I put an arrow. And uh, because it was under like Poland and Austro-Hungarian Empire, it really is uh, very European looking. It's beautiful um, buildings, uh, not just um, as Soviet as you would probably imagine if if you have any picture of Ukraine <laughs> in your head. Uh, the eastern you go, the more Soviet it gets. Uh, the, yeah, it was um, like ugly block of flats and stuff like that. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, like people in, in the west of Ukraine are more uh, Western-oriented, Europe-oriented, uh, more progressive in their thinking. Um, because they weren't um, brainwashed that much as the people of the East. Um, so this is me. I've, I haven't always looked like I'm, I look now. <laughs> um, I, was born, it was, I was born in the Soviet Union. It was 1989. So um, I was two years old when Ukraine became independent. Um, the first, like nine, all the 90s were really very hard uh, for, for all Ukrainians just to uh, form a, con a country, form our economy. Um, all like there weren't many jobs. The change of currency. Lots of people emigrated abroad. Um, it was really hard, um, but um, we managed to somehow um, get through that. Um, we had our garden and generous grandparents <laughs> with cows and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, this is my family. Um, this is the picture of my parents' 30th wedding anniversary two years ago. I have an older brother, four years older than me. And my parents are very, um, so they are Greek Catholics. I was born in a Greek Catholic family. And um, so Greek Catholic for, for, for us, meant for my parents, it means uh, this is not just your religion, uh, this is part of who you are as a, as a Ukrainian. Uh, so um, we would strong, like we would uh, be going to church every Sunday and uh, doing all the rituals. And um, I heard a lot about God, and from very early age, um, I developed an interest in church. Um, just it was very interesting to observe the priest doing all of the things at the front and bowing and sense and stuff. Um, and also I felt um, like a peace in, in a temple or in a church. Uh, I felt there was something different in comparison to the cruel world outside. So from very early age, 
I say I was, I got some knowledge of, of God and I knew he was there and um, I prayed, uh, prayed mostly the prayers that uh, my mother would teach me, like certain patterns of prayer, wouldn't be my, with my own words. Um, when, I'll just see what's the next. Okay, so this is a, uh, sorry. This is a photo of a Greek Catholic church, just to give you um, an idea. So it's um, magnificent buildings uh, with golden domes, um, very uh, nicely decorated inside with lots of gilt and uh, gilt and gilt, uh, golden stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, beautiful, yeah, so, and there are certain like rituals and confession, all of that you're probably a little, a little bit familiar because it's similar to Catholic Church. Let's see what's the next one? Okay. Um, so yes, uh, I was by the age of uh, 17. I guess I would just um, attend. I attended uh, the Greek Catholic Church, and uh, I never questioned what um, what I believed. Um, it was sort of like the tradition because my parents believed and my grandparents did that and all of the Ukrainians, all of my friends would do the same stuff. Um, it wasn't until uh, one day when my mom saw an advertisement um, of uh, free English classes provided by a local Baptist church and there were some Americans um, coming to teach and uh, um, I was, I got really very excited. I always wanted to, to learn English because it was, it would give me a lot of opportunities in life. And um, before that, you know, um, seeing a real American for a Ukrainian was something, wow. It was, <laughs> it was just absolutely tremendous um, because we would only see them in TV and uh, for us, you know, Americans were like, oh, this is perfect rich world somewhere there and people are so happy there and they always eat some strange food and stuff. Um, so um, for me it was a real attraction to see real genuine Americans and just to learn, practice my language. So I went there and um, it, was it was my first um, encounter with Christians. And um, uh, they, they didn't preach to us or anything. They taught us English and they were just loving us really, just um, getting to know us and taking us different places and caring for us. And that was very unusual because why, why, why were they doing that? Why, why were they doing something like that? Um, because I, I knew, like, if people do something um, for you, they actually want something in return or something like that. You never do something just for, for doing something good. So that really, like, planted some uh, interest. The, the lady that I got really very close to, she gave me a New Testament. Um, and, but I didn't, uh, didn't start reading it straight away. It wasn't until the next year when I, when I was invited to um, uh, like an English camp by the, provided by the same church. And there were also genuine Americans. <laughs> and 
So the, the, the camp was very evangelistic. They asked, asked us about uh, our faith and why we believed what we believed at that time. Um, the camp was like full of uh, people from the same background, mostly from Greek Catholic Church. And that was the first time I really started thinking why I actually believed and did things the way I did. Um, and my uh, response was, I can't believe Greek Catholic Church can be in any way wrong. So I will prove you wrong. I will, uh, I'll show you that you're not right. Uh, I forgot to mention that the Protestant Church is considered to be um, like a sect in Ukraine. Everything that is not Orthodox or Catholic that is different is a sect. So I was, um, then when they were telling me about you know, their church, when they come from, I got, I got really very arrogant and I said, no, you know, I will prove you wrong. There's... So this arrogance led me to explore more about my faith. Um, and then that was the time when I started reading the New Testament and the whole journey of in encountering more um, of Jesus through the stories and um, through other people's, uh, through the Gospels, through the Paul's um, letters, started really just touching my heart. Um, and then I went through different Christian organizations in Lviv, just trying to ask, uh, ask uh, questions, um, find out more about it. I, wasn't, I was very afraid to actually go to a Protestant church because I wasn't sure um, you know, it was just something different, something not usual. People called, call it a sect. Um, um, so I was afraid, but the Christian organization was, was a safe place to go and, and ask. And there, were, and there were plenty of students my age who were also interested. Um, so I was going through different organizations. I was even at a Mormon church. They did English classes. Um, so they also uh, challenged me uh, in that time, and I was like, okay, Mormons, I'm going to prove you wrong as well. <laughs> so <laughs> I just started reading the New Testament again and again and again just to find answers that they were wrong. And <laughs> the, more I, um, the more answers uh, I found, the more the, the, the stuff that the, the people at the, the, at the camp were telling me about started to make sense, and the more I started to... like question every, everything that I have been doing before. So it was like the whole journey. Uh, I ended up in a, in a Methodist church, in a little Methodist church that um, they also had like English classes and also they had like interdenominational youth meetings. Um, and I just uh, started going there because I saw people from my background who wanted to get to know more about Christ and wanted to um, just come together and pray and it was a safe place for me, I thought. And then I slowly started going to the Methodist church that ran uh, the, the youth meetings. And um, it was, I was um, 21, I think. And then at one point we had a uh, like um, remodeling in our, apart in our apartment where we were gathering and the ceiling fell down and 
at that time there were a couple of young people and, uh, and a missionary from America. So the missionary and one guy died at the site and that was like um, an absolute um, heart broken um, I don't know how, to, how else to explain, but you can understand. So um, this time, like everyone was really very confused. People who were going to church were mostly young people. And I guess when I look back, it was a time of refinement for all of us. Some people uh, stopped going to church because they couldn't make sense of what happened, why God allow, allowed a missionary and a, a young person who was so on fire on God to, to die that day. Um, I drew away for some time and I was asking myself questions. What were the motives of, what were my motives being there in that church were because I was feeling well, because there were Americans, because there were, you know, nice people, or was I really want, going there to grow in my faith and is this what happened going to pull me away from, from growing? So for me, it was the time of really asking myself questions, and I came back. And it, was, it wasn't the same after that, um, obviously. And there was a time of like grieving and mourning and rethinking all of that situation. There were actually missionaries from Northern Ireland who came to our church and helped us to, to go through that time as well. Um, so... Um, I guess that was the time when I made a certain, like a st strong decision that I want to, um, to follow Christ and to be with his, pe with his people. And uh, when my parents got to know that, uh, they got really very angry and got very frustrated because leaving the Greek Catholic Church for them meant the betrayal of um, the family, of the nation, of the people, of the country of everything Ukrainian and you know as I told you the history before you know we've been we were fighting for it so long and now I sort of like say you know I don't want your church anymore so for them it was just you know more than just you know switching to another church it was the whole big drama of rejecting the your your ancestors and and family, so um, they um, they didn't react. They didn't sort of support me, of course, and they tried to convince me, persuade me to come back to um, to their church. Um, but I just couldn't feel the same in in the Greek Catholic Church anymore after that, because I wanted to grow, and um, I wanted to have a community around me. Um, the people who will support me, but um, unfortunately, what I found in the Greek Catholic Church was just like mostly doing things, and there was no sense of community. So it was really hard for me. I wasn't opposed to it. I wasn't criticizing it. I wasn't judging it or anything. It was just that it wasn't really good for me to grow. So I really respected my parents and sometimes I would go to the Greek Catholic Church with them just to show that I don't reject the church. I just want to grow and um, have a community. But they, they still don't really understand that. Um, I guess because um, 
they, like most of their life was in the Soviet Union when people were forbidden to think for themselves, when everyone was made the same, when, when, when everyone had the same clothes, the same furniture had the same status, no one was supposed to stand out or question. If, if, they, if somebody questioned the system, they were put in prison or anything. So with that mindset, um, they still, they, they continued to live. So um, whenever I introduced something new to them, of course, they were completely against it. They opposed it. Um, and so, where are they definition? Okay, I'll just show you a picture of my church at the moment. Um, so you see they're mostly young people who are open-minded, who, um, like, who, who are hungry for God, who are hungry, hungry for a living faith, transforming faith, not just uh, rituals and um, deeds, good deeds, but they want changes in their heart. Um, they most most of them are either Roman Catholic or Greek Catholic, and uh, they are they are looking for something more. And uh, they, some of their families are against uh, uh, against what they're doing. So um, we all shared similar stories, but uh, being together really is encouraging and. Um, so, yeah, having community that prays for you gives you strength. Oh, yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. There's a huge amount there, obviously, about what it means for you about suffering and about this tension. Let me ask you a question. Are you still Ukrainian? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I mean, do you see but, yourself as a Ukrainian yeah. having embraced this, what... Mm -hmm some people perceive as a foreign, outside, mm. cultish kind of mm. way of life. I've been thinking about it, especially after being here for two years. I've changed in a lot of ways, and uh, I don't fit in, when I come back home, go back home, I don't fit in exactly <laughs> in the society, because, yeah, because I've changed, and I don't feel like I belong to here, um, because um, I have different background and different past. Um, so I was thinking, where does my identity lie in? I was thinking whether it's in my nationality or is it in, in um, what I do? Is it in how I look? Um, is it in what, um, I don't know, clothes I wear? And I've been thinking about it all together. Um, um, and I came to the conclusion that my identity lies, lies in knowing that I am a child of God and um, nothing else um, is worth putting your self-worth into. Um, so that helps me um, to sort of, I don't know how to explain. So I'm not really, I'm not rejecting my identity, but I'm not putting my self-worth into it. So, uh, being Ukrainian does, um, doesn't mean I was born there, but it doesn't define who I am, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I want to go on and ask you a bit about how you are following 
God's will for your life, how you're discerning that and, and where it's going. But could you tell us just a bit about the church in Ukraine? Obviously, we hear all sorts of uh, alarming stories about the country politically and about uh, what's happening with uh, Ukraine. And tell us, in the midst of all of that, what what is going on with those who belong to Jesus? Well, uh, the current events definitely shook the churches uh, all around Ukraine. Um, I would say that um, there will be f- th- there's about 5% of the population out of 45 million people who are Christian in Ukraine. There are more Christians in the East than in the West because, as I said, in the West, people will hold on to the Greek Catholic Church as part of their national identity, whereas in the East, there was atheism throughout mm. the past, so now they're, they're more open, mm. apparently, to the gospel. So, um, I guess, with the current situation, it just like started shaking all of, all of us, and mm. like, what's happening, why, there were, maybe still are, uh, different Protestant churches persecuted in the area of the conflict because um, the Russian-backed separatists consider the Protestant church as a a spy church, foreign church sent by Americans to look, you know, to just brainwash them and Um, but they're not meant, they're meant to be uh, true, I don't know, Russians or, you know. So they, uh, the the pastors, a couple of pastors were actually killed, some families were killed for helping the refugees or just helping or being in that area. And that really encouraged, uh, well that shocked first of all, and then encourage other Christians, I guess, put us on our knees to, to pray more and to um, think more of our, about our faith because uh, people were in such an uncertain, and still are in such an uh, uncertainty of what will happen. Uh, you know, how long will this conflict continue? How far, far will they go and what will happen? So. Whenever death comes to your door very, very close, you start re-evaluating your life, your values, what you're chasing for. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess it's, it's a time of refinement for Ukrainian churches at the moment. Mm-hmm. What about your life now? You're studying at Belfast Bible College, third year. Uh, don't give us a whole story about how you ended up here, but why are you here, mm. do you think? Um, so, um, how should I start? <laughs> um, while I was still in Ukraine, um, I was really battling with, being in the church was not easy because like my parents, as I said, were opposed. They um, wanted me, you know, they had their own idea for my life. Um, I was dating a guy who was, who was a missionary in Poland, so 
he wanted me to go to Poland. Uh, there was society who were like, why are you so different? <laughs> so the, this, is, this all like, came together and started like pressing on me. Um, and I was, at that time, I was like really uh, uh, thinking about my relationship with God, where I was with him, what was happening, where I was meant to go next. Um, and I was completely confused because of all the pressure around me. So um, I met a missionary from Northern Ireland in Ukraine, providentially, probably. Um, he left, like he left his business when he was 40 years old and all his security here and became a missionary in Eastern Europe. So he travels around Eastern European churches and uh, raises support and um, uh, preaches and just encourages Christians. And just, and I met him and he told me his story and I was really very touched that a person can leave everything he had and just, you know, move to Eastern Europe and care for, for the people. So that really broke my heart. And he told me about BBC and I left everything behind really and came over here to really explore more about my faith, where I was, uh, where God was leading me because I didn't want to just succumb, succumb to my parents' expectations or to my boyfriend's uh, expectations or any of the society I wanted to, I needed to have some space to find out where God was leading me um, at that time. So, and then the opportunity opened here. Um, the college gave me a scholarship uh, for the first year and um, I came over really to get to know more about God's will in my life. And I thought it would be just one year but after the first year, the church I was in, it was Balnehenge Baptist Church, really, they really supported me and um, decided to support me for the second year. So <laughs> um, I stayed for the second year. And then God was gracious. And even though their situation was international students and UK border laws changed, I was still able to get the third year and come and study and continue serving here. Mm-hmm. What does it mean now to be a follower of Jesus every day, looking to him for the future? Can you tell us a bit about how you see the Christian life for you? That's a broad question, but I want to just some sense of what it is that drives you as you think about following Jesus? Um, I just, at the moment, um, I think like, I started thinking how it is to just live like every day with small little details for Christ, just live in today and um, I guess before that I was like a little, you know, like you imagine yourself a little sandbox and there are children playing with toys inside and, um, and some of the children is like, oh, I want that toy or I want this, mommy, give me that and it's trying to be so cranky and dem- demandable. And so I think I was one of, 
I am one of those children, you know, looking around and thinking, oh, daddy, I want this, these people have this, that person have that. I want to be, I want to have that. But I know that God, as every parent, knows what is better for me at this time, at this moment. So he gave me everything that I need, maybe not everything that I want, but everything that I need to serve people around me um, and be a witness and rejoice in, in, in his love. And I, I don't know um, what he'll give me or take from me, but this is this idea of you know trusting that God as a loving father knows what is best for me at the moment. So just, it's not easy. Yeah. I need a lot of prayer every day. It's like um, I'm asking for power to go through um, a day and give me strength to fight with my selfishness and um, there's different um, struggles that come across, mm -hmm. I suppose. And as God takes us with all of those, as you've described them, in some ways immature uh, aspirations or, or desires, he still uses us, we're not perfect, none of us are. How is God using you? And this is the last question. So how is God using you here at the minute, especially with international students? Mm. Um, so, um, as I said, I was with Balnhenge Baptist for two years, and. Um, I helped there. Um, for my third year, I decided to maybe like broaden a little bit uh, my experience, and uh, I was looking at myself and was thinking what I can serve with. And um, I was, I, I um, sort of realized <laughs> I was an international student here. I knew a couple of um, languages because I studied languages in uni, and. Um, I was thinking, oh, maybe I could be involved in some sort of student ministry, um, just because I was in the same boat, and I could relate to what they're going through as, uh, as students, and international students in particular. So I came across this organization called Friends International, um, that are also connected with Windsor Baptist, and decided to, to serve with them. and. So I'm particularly helping with uh, European students that's every Friday was alongside the Presbyterian chaplaincy. And also, um, Windsor started a Bible study for Asian students. Um, I never thought uh, I could <laughs> reach out to Chinese people, never had any sort of contact with Asian uh, people at, in, at all, but it was... Uh, a bit of a stretch for me, <laughs> and I've been learning a lot how to um, serve and love people from Asia and how to understand their background, how to, um, what to say, how to say, um, and all of that. Um, also, I was, um, I was asked a couple of people who go to different Eastern European countries to teach them Russian. And I was really very happy that God is using me for that as well, so I could maybe use uh, my knowledge to maybe help somebody from here to maybe learn some basic language so they, they could communicate when they are over in my part of the world. Um, yeah, so I'm 
pretty busy <laughs> with stuff, but I'm very happy that I could be of use here and God can use all of the things that he gave me, my background, my skills, my personality, um, and just my current, current situation to reach out to the people around me. So. Oliver, thank you so much for telling us a bit about uh, what excites you and who you are. Uh, I think we've sensed there's an awful lot more to this story. Uh, so Ollie will be at the door afterwards if you want to ask more questions. And uh, you could try not just a couple of languages, there's probably <laughs> at least half a dozen in there or more that uh, you could uh, speak to Olia in. But uh, we do pray that you'll have a very encouraging time here this year with Windsor and a fruitful time and that in due course the Lord will open up the right doors for you for the future.